right, welcome in to the maiden voyage of the Untucked Podcast. I, as you guys know, am Top Cat. I will be hosting us for the evening. Um, I'm going to be joined here in a little bit by a um, pretty well-known guest. I guess I'll start off, um, this is kind of an experimental trial run. Um, this is something I kind of wanted to try out and see how popular it'd be. Um, love to hear feedback. If this is something we don't want to do in the future, let me know. Just kind of testing the waters here. But um, I guess without further ado, I guess I'll welcome on our guests. All right. Joining me now is a very familiar face, uh, maybe voice. I don't know what you want to call it. But um, Arm 58, or as the fine posters over at KSO know him as uh, MRA Cat. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, not a problem. Well, I guess let's just dive right on into it. Um, do you have any lasting thoughts on Vandy? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that's going to be one that's going to stick around forever, especially with what Bama did to them. And I think most fans have understood that that was once-in-a-lifetime, epically bad, everything went wrong and no one stood up, which may be a kind of scary thought that maybe who we thought were the leaders on offense and defense failed to step up. But I think the question for me, especially going forward, is was this a a once-in-a-lifetime loss or was this, hey, we are not as good as we thought and Vandy was actually a challenge? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I guess my biggest thing was how much, especially offensively, you know, they struggled and whatnot, but how much was due to receivers dropping passes and how much was due to Ertz just not having a good game at all? Yeah, I think that tweet by one of the Kansas City radio guys on that last fourth down play kind of exposed Ertz pretty bad. Think all of us all kind of are used to the second year jump that all you know, returning quarterbacks have under Snyder, and Ertz didn't show anything that he's going to follow the path of literally every other quarterback. And I don't know if it was progressions that held him back, but on the flip side, I, I know the numbers between seven and ten drops. That's insane. That's not Ertz's fault. He throws, I think, even on the interception, which wasn't a great idea, but it hit Pringle in the chest and bounced up. So at some point, some point, someone's got to step up, right? I mean, I would think. I, I kept telling myself, you know, I was at the game, but I, I kept telling myself, eventually they're going to catch one of those, and it's going to start going the other direction. But man, it was just drop after drop after drop after drop. I was, I was pretty pissed by the end of it, but that's kind of how it goes I don't know I, the whole play calling thing to me is we all know has gotten beyond frustrating I mean they only had six carries for the running backs in the second half I mean that's just insane to me and 11 total yeah so with eight going to Barnes and types of plays that none of us really want to see Barnes do and then Silman comes in and does what we like to see him do and we see him three times and then he's gone when someone has three carries for 41 yards, I think we all would like to see some more of that. Don't you agree? No, I, I, I do. I, the thing with Silman, I don't know, point was brought up on the message board that the reason he came out was because they don't trust him to block. But, man, if you can't trust your guy to block and you have to have a, a running back in specifically to block along with a tight end, I just I really question how successful you're going to be, especially when you get into more – competitive athletes, well not competitive, but more talented athletes in conference play. I don't know how that's going to fly, I guess, but... Yeah, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You'd think a senior who Snyder has singled out multiple times for doing the right things, maybe whatever he had, injury, suspension, you know, maybe they didn't think he was ready or something, but if you are running back in Bill Snyder system and a senior, you can't block. You're not playing. Period. 
you wouldn't even get three carries, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, you know, I don't, I don't understand. Then you watch Bama do whatever they want to. Oh, that was terrible. And, and I, you know, I'm looking at the stats right now. Ertz 24 carries out of 35. There was 15 different threads on every website about what you know percentage breakdown do you want to see from the running backs and the wide receivers, and never did you see one that was Ertz 24 of 35, almost two thirds, right? So no, no, I I don't know the whole Ertz thing. I I may have been a bit reactionary. Uh, not that anyone would think I've ever been that in the past. Of course uh, not. But, um, no, I was definitely uh, Team Thompson for a good 24 hours after that conclusion. But I don't know. I mean, the, the, the both interceptions were very poor decisions to start with, and then the throws were just awful, um, especially the one. Um, but I, he still, to me, he's a little like Alex Smith and that he's always hearing footsteps, at least I think. And... Um, you know, he's always looking to get out of the pocket, and that just, I wish he'd have a little more pocket presence. But obviously, every game's not going to be the same, and as the year goes on, hopefully he'll kind of settle in a little more. And I I do think that might be one of the more physical defenses they face all year. I don't know about best defenses, but, but definitely physical. So I don't know. Hopefully he yeah, they, can rebound. They got a couple players on their D-line, but... If that's one of the more physical ones, and they got slaughtered by Bama. Oh yeah, I you agree. Think we could walk through the Big Twelve then at this point, right? Besides, well, I, other than TCU, I don't. Well, and maybe Oklahoma, I don't. I don't really give the Big Twelve much credence defensively, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's wrong too. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to watch the pass both of these teams take because kind of a Bill Snyder staple is that when we look back at the end of the year. Games that we thought maybe were upsets tended not to be. I always think of Texas Tech when they come in highly ranked and we beat them and everyone's pretty excited, but then they end up 7-5 and five and you're like, well, yeah. you know, we beat them when they were 14th, but yep. they ended up 60th. And so that's what's really scary for me on the whole season was that we don't generally beat the teams that are better than us at the end, by the end of the year, but we always beat the teams that are worse than us. And right. there's no reason to think Vanderbilt's close to you know, whatever number you want to throw out, top 25, top 40. And so if that's the case and the Big 12 maybe looks okay, all of a sudden you go off and find four, five, six losses. If, if everything holds true and this wasn't the once-in-a-lifetime type of loss. So right. that's kind of the running theme for me. And then Vanderbilt, I know – People, you know, probably are surprised at this, but I picked a fight with Kellis and told him that when he rode, he said that they were good and they're going to push nine wins, and I couldn't let that stand. And except for the SEC East being terrible, well, that's just it. I think I think they they might actually run into a couple three wins they shouldn't because I think the East is an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah, but without that, or even if they're in the Big Twelve, you know, that's a team that might struggle to make bowl eligibility. And if we can't beat a bowl, a barely bowl eligible team, that probably means we're barely bowl eligible too. So no, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated to get back on the field and, and watch this. No, it's going to be. Um, yeah, that was most of um, what I felt offensively. Defensively, I thought they played pretty well. I don't think Vanderbilt was very, uh, what's the word, um, not talented, but they're not going to overpower you or anything. I mean, they're just kind of pretty meh. Uh, there yeah, they, offensively, but no creativity, no real game changers. You know, Shermer's not super accurate. His stats ended up okay, but he he just simply missed five wide receivers. You know, and, yeah. And it wasn't that wasn't luck. He's just not very good. And mm-hmm. so, I think the most troubling point with. Vanderbilt especially, is that they played the type of offense that our defense can just eat up. And they did, for the most part. Yep. You know, I think two yards per carry. And Shermer got some decent 8.9 yards per attempt, I think, and which is not bad, but that's sort of what the bend but don't break does. And he fell for it. He wasn't accurate. Um, and except for you know that obvious holding call on the 
one touchdown. I, he didn't beat us. I mean, we beat ourselves, obviously. But no, I, I don't think he's he's gonna be a guy that can go make plays and win a game for you. I don't think that at all. Um, I did think, you know, Trent Tanking played pretty well and actually looked like he belonged. Um, I do have my doubts whether he'll be able to do that when conference play rolls around. In fact, I'd say he won't be able to. Um, but, I mean, Elijah Sullivan, he looked good. He did have a little trouble getting off blocks. He's a little undersized, obviously. But I think his speed will come in handy as long as he can he can uh, be in the right place. Justin Hughes was another guy. He got, I think, one or two plays when either Tanking or Kirby lost his helmet um, there in the second half. And I noticed him specifically because he was in no man's land on those couple plays, and it, I don't think we'll be seeing a whole lot more of him once conference gets rolling. No, that's, again, the problem with Vanderbilt as the team going forward. It, it, they don't want to run by spreading you out, and so that's where Trent Panking can destroy, right? That guy's probably a legitimate SEC linebacker no, just I by think facing so, yeah. those offenses, right? Right, I agree. And when Baylor wants to spread him out and leave him as the only linebacker, and now he's got to cover both edges, that's going to hurt, I think. No, I agree. I agree. I I don't know. I I have my doubts um, as far as the defense getting exposed as we go along. But um, anything else on Vandy? I, you know, for me, I think really the conclusion of the game for me is what bothered me. I brought this up to you before we started, and, when teams lose games, they shouldn't. It's interesting to watch how they react to it. And so I brought up, the, I think it's 2008, the Tebow 31-30 loss to Ole Miss, where that guy came out basically in tears and said, no one's going to work harder than me, no one's going to push their team harder than me, and no one's going to lose. And then in Tebow fashion, God bless, and he just left the stage. And that's fantastic, right? That gets anyone fired up, no matter what your thoughts on Tebow and Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool to see. And then 30 minutes after the game, our quarterback is arguing with a 21-year-old message board yeah, yeah. about his quotes. And I, I don't know. I mean, you shouldn't let you shouldn't read too much into emotions. But doesn't that kind of bother you a little bit? Oh, it bothers me. And I and I don't want to read too much into that. But I have met Jesse a couple times. And I I think he's a great guy. I really do. I think he's full of confidence. But I don't. I mean, the co- the common comparison lately, or at least before the season started, was, you know, CK. But, man, he's not anywhere near as humble. Um, and that's, like I said, I don't want to sound like a tuck. But he he definitely almost, and I think maybe it was Klutz brought this up, but he almost looks to have a reason to have a chip on his shoulder. I don't know. He just, a little too much that way for my taste. But I hopefully it's not something that festers into something worse. Well, sort of the, the problem to start looking at because this was a humbling loss. If if K-State's much better than Vanderbilt, this is a humbling loss. And you're out here arguing with other people. And it's sort of like, yeah, look, maybe you were misquoted, but who cares? Like, yeah. go, go get better. And sure, 30 minutes afterwards, you can't be doing anything. But if it was a loss, I think we all played sports in high school and stuff. Those, those things should irritate you when you don't feel like you should lose. Right. And so, again, I don't want to play the emotion game too far, but I just I didn't like how the team reacted to that. I, I know, you know, he's got that. Their best player on the team is someone who Bill Snyder has implored over and over again to step up and be a more vocal leader, and that's DJ Reed. And so we got our best defensive player who doesn't lead by vocals, which is fine. He's good enough. But then our offensive guy is not. And so maybe I'm looking into this too much, but maybe there is kind of some leadership issues. I mean, do you see that? I think there could be. I mean, there's been rumors that in the offseason things were a little not tumultuous, but, I mean, there were definitely strong differences of opinion um, in certain areas. But I I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to think as the year goes along, guys will step up and, and kind of put their actions before their words on Twitter or wherever. But it'll be something to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, I think the two-week break just sucks, right? Because everybody wants to get back out there and see this. And 
here you've got 13 days or whatever to think over a loss that's just terrible. That's now being rubbed in your face because of what Bama did to them. And that's, that's tough, I would suspect. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, enough of uh, drowning our sorrows. I guess let's go ahead and take a look at Baylor. Um, any initial thoughts that stick out to you? So I always struggle when teams are much more different than kind of what you expected in the preseason. And so, yeah, here they go off and they have two embarrassing losses to start the season and then aren't competitive with Duke. And even before their series or whatever game with Oklahoma, it was still like, come on, they can't be this bad, right? And so I think they maybe showed something against OU. And I think everybody who's chalking it up to a win and not to worry about probably needs to rethink about that. No, I... I I think you're you're on to something. I did not expect them to be as competitive as they were um, against Baker Mayfield and company, but they did look like a team that hadn't given up yet. Now that could obviously change in a couple games, but they did look uh, like they gained a little confidence back, and I think a lot of that had to do with Zach Smith getting back under center. I don't think a new Solomon was ever going to be a long-term option there over the year anyway since he is a graduate transfer, but... He was really good. He actually completed damn near 70% of his passes, had over 460 yards, four TDs, no picks. Um, yeah, that might hurt our OU defense argument, right? Well, that's why I said earlier I think OU is good, but maybe they're actually not. I I don't know. Um, but, yeah, Smith looked good. Um, I think he probably is going to be a threat. I mean, he's got some tremendous wide receivers, um, Denzel Sims, or Denzel Mims, I believe, and Chris yep. Platt. Those guys, I think they're averaging like 23 yards uh, catch or something like that and 11 touchdowns. Yeah, anytime you go for 192 like Mims did against Oklahoma, you know, you have to – you get some respect no matter what. No, I, I, I think they're definitely going to pose a threat um, to say the least. And I think DJ ought to be pretty good on one side. I would imagine he'll be on Mims. But I – have we have any faith left in Duke Shelley, like at all? I'll tell you that Duke Shelley has enough faith in himself for everyone. So, well, yeah, I think he's probably fine in his own mind. But you know, to pull on a whole other team, you you watch the Chiefs who have one shutdown corner, and you start to see the other guy step up last week. And mm-hmm. it's time, it's time for Shelley to, you know, you're going to be thrown at because DJ Reed scares everybody else. So he's going to get his chances. No, I agree. I agree. Um, one thing they don't do well on offense is run the ball. They only had like 60 yards on 35 attempts, I believe it was, against Oklahoma. And I don't think they're very good on the year. I think they were like 100th in the country in yards per game or something like that. But I know a large portion of that's also due to they're having a pretty rough outing from their O-line. I think they've given up almost 30 tackles for loss already and something like nine sacks in four games. Yeah, who would have ever thought that Baylor would be 10th in yards per carry, and their schedule hasn't exactly been the toughest, right? I mean, I know everyone thinks of them as the the ultimate spread team, but even when they were really running and gunning, they ran it almost as much as we did percentage-wise. Yep. And so I don't – you always wonder when coaches come in and put in new systems that if you go so far different – you know, this doesn't make any sense. Like, you should have still had some leftover or residual talent to run the ball. So that's probably where to start if you're going to start with a K-State victory. Teams that are one-dimensional don't scare me near as much as, you know, the OU and Oklahoma States who feel like they can do anything or Baylor when they were good. When you, when you can do both things, I, you can destroy the bend but don't break. Yep. Now, you're if you can take the runaway exactly like they did to Shermer, take the runaway now the quarterback who's not prepared or equipped to beat you now has to beat you yep and that's a long day when you have to have 50 attempts to try to, to beat k-state and generally unless you're a heisman caliber elite type quarterback k-state usually pulls those out right so there's hope maybe yeah and like i said i their o-line is not good um i know we've had a lot of question marks along the d-line they did play pretty well against vandy or at least i thought but I do think they should be able to control the trenches pretty well and get some pressure, even maybe four or five guys get plenty of pressure. I really think it's possible. 
Um, and I think they're going to need to because, like I said, those weapons on the outside, I think they've got plenty of potential for big plays, and I really think that's one of the only ways Baylor's going to hang around is big plays in the passing game, I guess. Yeah, but <laughs> the safeties, safeties will be tested, and that's been a two-year question mark for us, right? So, yep. And, you know, you're right. The D-line for how bad they were, like shockingly bad they were the first two games. I, I don't think they had a sack through the first two games they and they had something like one or two or maybe three tackles for losses against two cupcakes, right? Yep. And so a lot of NFL teams have started to start counting holds drawn at sacks just for the purposes of internal tracking. And, and so they stepped up. I think they drew three hold calls maybe, even though they – I don't think they got any sacks between them, but if they're starting to get unleashed and they're starting to understand the roles, I, mean, I think you and I especially kept pointing out that, look, when you lose Jordan Willis, who's a once-a-generation type pass rusher, you right. know, one of the second most important position, that that those guys, they make it so much easier for everybody else because when Jordan Willis is terrorizing teams, you're not just drawing double teams. They're having backs chip them. And so literally everybody else has – single coverage. Yep. Well, now, all of a sudden, all these guys now, you can start moving. If, if you know Trey Deshaun starts going off, well, you just slide protection to him. And so these guys have to start understanding that, oh boy, the guy who's done most of the work is gone. And I, I hope that Vandy was where they started to figure it out because that, that changes the season to have a good D-line. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I agree 100%. I, I think if they can get not consistent, but some semblance of pressure. Um, I, I think that's going to make a whole world of difference. But um, yeah, I think that's pretty well where they sit on that unit. But defensively, uh, they're pretty damn terrible. Um, I went out on a limb and, and, and pulled in a couple stats here, so brace yourself. Uh, they're 121st in the country in total defense, 114th in points per game. They are 100th in passing yards surrendered per game. And they are uh, 102nd in third down conversion percentage rate, 44%, which seems incredibly high to me. Um, But anyway, where I'm going with this, they're not very good. And it's a little surprising because Rule is known for having pretty good defenses, or he was at Temple. But um, it may be part of its, you know, the depth is kind of taking a hit the last couple off seasons. But man, they they have not been good thus far, and only really one good opponent. So, well, I think you got to count Liberty as some, you know, fantastic offense. You got to watch out for, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Turner Absolutely. Gill is the genius, but but seriously. Yeah, I, I think you see the hope for the offense and the box score of the Sooners game. I mean, the Sooners going for 342 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Like, this is another thing where if K-State doesn't end up with 200 to 250 rushing yards, I think you either need to, I don't know, fire, demo, or, or something. Because they're there, just can we go get them? And can we unleash the people to go get them in the way that they do best? And I, I think this is maybe take us completely off topic but it's kind of starting to be message board fodder by a couple different of posters i think we all respect about how you know we really are not recruiting and making things work for like to the best of our players ability like we think our system is so much better that you're just going to come in and you're going to play it our way instead of have our coaches maximize your talent which is not ideal I mean, even our basketball coach has that figured out. You got to kind of change a little bit. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm good firing demo whenever you know. I don't really need any more evidence. Um, but that's just me. Um, you know, I the whole, <laughs> the whole square peg and a round hole thing. I, I brought it up before, but it, it still floors me that for the creative genius that Bill Snyder is known for being, his offensive coordinator is one of the most rigid, unimaginative coordinators I have ever seen it just it floors me and I know there may not be as much talent as some of the purple kool-aid drinkers want to believe but there is talent on this team and it just seems to me that there's not any extra effort going into finding ways to get him the ball and that's my biggest problem beyond the play calling um I don't know it just I don't think it's going to get any better unfortunately so no I don't 
I think we have a strategy that we want to do, and that's to throw deep because they think that will open up the run game. And I think maybe they're overthinking it. I mean, if you ask Demel, let me just go ask him. He thinks they're a top five offensive staff in the country. And so, but I think it's so oversimplified. Like if we throw deep, the defense is going to respect that and it's going to open up the run game and then boom, we get to do what we want. But we're not very good at passing it deep. And so teams are never going to adjust to overhelp what we're not good at to let us do what we want to do. It, it's just, you know, the other guys are getting paid good money as well to try to stop us. And I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand against Vanderbilt to, you know, rub salt in the wounds. I don't think we, how many, how often do we play action, right? And try to do anything. Yeah. Well, and along that same line, I, one thing that I've noticed, and I think it's, again, been brought up, but teams will throw looks at Jesse pre-snap um, and force him to audible into whether it's a deep pass or a passing route of some sort, and then they'll that's exactly what they want him to do. I mean, it's, it's just bait, and it seems like we fall for that time and time again. It just we play right into their hand. It just It's frustrating, I guess, and I... Like I said, I don't know if it's going to get any better before Bill calls it quits either. I do think, to play the contrarian, which everybody's surprised at, but I do think that they do realize that our quarterback can't anticipate the wide receiver being open, Mm -hmm. right? He has to see it be open before he'll throw it. And so that's why the deep passes kind of make some sense in my mind because when he goes deep and you have someone like Pringle who – was running free the first two games against non-Big 12 caliber defensive backs, and he could see him and he could hit him, right? The passes weren't, those long passes generally weren't terrible. But when you're asking to make complex throws 10 yards out, I don't know if Ertz is incapable or afraid or doesn't see it or doesn't trust himself or whatever, but that takes away some of the tools in the tool belt, I think. Now, why you don't teach this guy in the offseason to do it if you're a top five staff is beyond me. But... I, clearly, they must have just worked on deep throws. Just, uh, you know, Pringle's going to outrun everybody, but then drop he the runs ball. into a decent corner, I guess. I don't know. Nor just drops the ball. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, this will be a game that where you can get it back together because, like I said, they're, they're very bad pretty much through and through. Um, really, the only notable names that I've come across are linebacker Clay Johnston. He's got like 30 tackles and three or four sacks. And then they do have a good defensive tackle, Ira Lewis, who I think has something like six and a half tackles for loss and maybe three sacks or so. But, you know, outside of that, I I really would be very irritated if they can't kind of impose their will at the line and and run and run and run and run some more and then play action over the top a little bit here and there. But if they don't score 24, 28 points at least, I, I think this team's got some serious issues. Yeah, although, again, you go back to the box score. Who would have guessed that Baker Mayfield would have thrown 19 times and Oklahoma scores 49 points, right? So yeah. do you think do you think our offense can go to that rush 40 past 19 times? Do you think Demel can, I, I don't know, bite his tongue or do whatever to make that happen to win the game? Or do you think we're going to see a 50-50 type game like always? Oh, I'm, I think if I'm being honest, I think we'll see closer to 50-50 because that's just the way Dana wants to do it. Um, yeah, no, I, I, they need to be running the ball a good 40-plus times to really be successful, in my opinion. But, like I said, don't expect to see it. So, it is what it is. Just lower your expectations, and then you can be impressed slash surprised if it happens, right? Uh, I keep telling myself I'm going to do that. I just can't bring myself to do it. So, K-State football, 2017, lower your expectations. Yep, I'm just a terrible fan. But um, <laughs> ah, Last thought I had on Baylor, um, they're pretty terrible on kickoffs. They've only got a kickoff or a touchback on 35% of their kickoffs, and then they give up 23 yards of return, which is, again, well into the hundreds in the nation. So if Pringle or Reed doesn't have at least one big return between them, I would be shocked. Well, at what point do I sarcastically add that it will get called back by a special teams penalty since, I don't know, 67% of our plays do? 
well, as long as Brogan Berry is not on the field, I think we'll be good. Um, yeah, there we go. No, I don't. I, I shouldn't badmouth the kid. I'm just, just joking around. But, um, well, do you have a prediction on the game Saturday? Oh, 35-21 would make me feel pretty good. Good guys. But Is that, your, is that your prediction or that's just what would make you feel good? I make me feel good. I mean, the prediction's probably going to be something like 38. I don't know. I mean, come on. The line, Vegas came out with 14 points. Does that sound right to you? No. So if you got to make a Vegas spread and you think we're going to score 42, 42 to 28, I don't know. That doesn't seem like a a logical score. If Baylor's terrible, I again, we have, we have two games of K-State against Cupcakes, one game where they played horrendously. So where's, where do you come up with the prediction there? Uh, it's hard. I mean, if I was going to guess, I think I'd guess like 31-21, 34-24, something like that probably. But yeah, it could That's... be all over the place. I mean, it, for all I know, it could be 48-17, to 17, I honestly couldn't tell you because both of these teams, like I said, have been pretty volatile so far. So, yeah, should be an interesting game at least. I guess we got that to hope for. But, um, yeah, moving... we'll learn. We'll learn right? Yeah. Yeah, well, you can ask for. we're gonna, we're going to figure out what the rest of the season is going to hold. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, moving on to a little bit of Big Twelve action. Did you have any lasting takeaways from the TCU upset? Yeah, I was shocked. I I thought TCU was clearly again. We start talking about where you thought teams were preseason wise based upon their talent. I thought Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were clear one and two. I maybe hoped more than logically thought K-State was a clear second tier in third place. And then I kind of thought TCU was in that next group chasing K-State. And my word, that's a statement game, right? I mean, you you jump to the second best team in the Big 12 technically? Yep, I think you have to. Because if, if not for Oklahoma's win at Ohio State, I think you'd almost have to put them first, to be honest. But um I, I said since before the year started, I, I really thought TCU had a lot of talent, especially on defense. Um, but I said the same token, Kenny Hill, it's going to carry you or he's going to bring you back down to earth. It just depends on which, which one you get. And so far, looks like they've found the good one, although they had most of their success on Saturday running between the tackles. Um, he didn't have to do a whole lot in the passing game, although he was good for the most part when he had to. Um, but I think that is one real good look into how to stop, well, not stop, but slow Oklahoma State down is is run the ball, get first downs, and, and keep that offense off the field. Well, I didn't have an extreme amount of talent on defense that we're all jealous of. Yeah, that well, too. But again, that game, that game was so shocking. I mean, Mason didn't, I don't know, here's a guy who's been talked about a top five draft pick and he did not look like the same guy who threw for a million yards and 20 touchdowns against us last year. Right. And that's at home. And Justice Hill didn't look special. These are all guys that, that I was willing to say, okay, we don't have much of a chance against to start the year. Even though I thought K-State was clearly the third best team, I was kind of like, nah, we, we don't have, we can't slow down Rudolph Hill. There are 17 wide receivers, Washington and, and TCU just did and ran away from them. And I think, as you mentioned, Kenny, I, the best Kenny Hill is the one that you don't need to win the game for you, right? If you can have 52 carries for 238 yards and then Hill just needs to add into that, yeah, they're going to win some games. Well, and, and and defensively, I, I think there were two big takeaways. One, like you said, get pressure on Mason Rudolph. Um, that was kind of the one weakness he's had his entire career, really, is is kind of wanting to get out of the pocket as soon as he smells pressure. Um, and then the other one was force them to run the ball because their line's not that great to start with, and I believe they were missing their right tackle and right guard as well. So they yeah, it was were... all on one side. I think it was the right side. Now, obviously, that might not be the case for every game the rest of the year they get those guys back but I think they're a lot less dangerous on the ground than they are through the air obviously when you have that kind of talent out there too so it's also pretty impressive to let up TC let up 500 yards of offense and 
point, held them to 31 points. It's kind of, you know, doing what we try to do, but better. Well, right? and that's just it. That was, honestly, that was the quietest 500 yards I can ever remember. But, I, I mean, there were a couple, three big plays. But for the most part, I mean, they, it was a little bend but don't break. They kind of contained everything and kept it in front of them and, and forced them to run more plays. Um, yep. And that's really that's about the only way you can stop those those kind of spread offenses and schemes. At least I think was ones with that kind of talent anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're not gonna unless you have Bama's defense. Yeah, maybe. and even, even then, I, even then, I yeah. mean, look at Trevor Knight. Um, right. No, I, it it's interesting. I I still think Oklahoma State has a pretty good shot at least playing in the title game, if not still winning the conference outright, which they could. Or I should say, finishing first since you know the title game and whatnot. But because um, they do still have a pretty favorable schedule, I don't know TCU. I mean, the one thing I mean, they look great, but like they had in the past. I mean, is that something they can keep up on a consistent basis? I don't know. I mean, that'll be interesting to see. I think Patterson's a great coach. Would love to have him here when Bill's gone, but yeah, let's just pretend that's going to happen, right? We can start that rumor. I mean, I don't think there's any way that could go wrong at all. Yeah, yeah. bridges have been mended. I don't know. And have repercussions for a decade plus down the road leading to your eventual demise. No, I don't see how that could could be an issue at all. Uh, Moving on to uh, West Virginia and KU. I didn't watch as much of that game as I'd wanted to, but what I did see, uh, at least from West Virginia, I was not very impressed from them. Yeah, yeah, they were. I don't know, right? It's kind of a Dana special that they're they're just kind of West Virginia. I don't know. I well, and I, one other thing, I mean, they for whatever reason, and well, in the one year they did lose, they always seem to struggle with KU, and I don't know why that is, but they yeah. always do. And like I said, that that year they lost. I mean, that was just it's like they play way, 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 way down to the competition. But yeah, they they could not stop any run at all whatsoever i think they gave up like 400 yards on the ground to k freaking yeah. you i mean that that seems like a major red flag to me yeah it doesn't make any sense i don't know again i, I he must just skip preparations for them and focus on the next week because there's no excuse to allow you know almost 565 yards of offense to ku no. to a to a team and, and Bender is not good at quarterback. So if you're not afraid of him, and you shouldn't be, what all you need to do is stop the rush and you're going to contain KU, right? I, I don't I don't understand it. I, I KU's not gonna score thirty four again, I don't think. Well right? I, I I mean if you can't get a significant push on that O line, I mean who are who who are you gonna be able to slow down? Or who are you going to be able to stop? Because I I don't see a single team in this conference that you're going to be able to stop if you can't stop KU, at least from that perspective. No, I you know, I think, you know, the problem is this is probably, West Virginia probably played terribly, didn't care, right. didn't prepare hard, and played a C-level game and still won by 22 points. Yeah, they covered. They Well, they right? pushed, but yeah. yeah. And, and so that's probably... It can completely separate, you know, conceptually different different types of opponents. But I mean, that's the type of game to bring up it again. That K State, you know, you got to win some games when you play C at D level games against lesser opponents. West Virginia handled KU. K State did not against Vanderbilt, and so that's West Virginia definitely got more questions asked than answered because you just can't allow seven yards a carry against KU when their quarterback has a 27 QBR and doesn't scare anyone. And honestly, I think is about to get benched because that's a David Beatty special to submarine and sink his team to to start pulling quarterbacks. And I I figured he would, and uh, you know, somehow this Khalil Herbert, who I honestly had never heard of runs for 291 yards. I don't even remember him in the other games, let alone you know, I, run from 300 yards. I don't think I've ever even heard his name. So that's usually not a good sign when that guy is running all over you. But who yeah. knows? Like I said, like well, like you pointed out, I think that's just a down week for them. I think Will Greer is still pretty legit. I think he's still going to win a game or two here or there for them. 
especially at home. Um, I don't know. I think there'll definitely be a test when they come to Manhattan. Yeah, I kind of think if K-State takes any of these teams lightly, that after their performance so far, we should be nervous. But I don't know. It, it should be if K-State comes out with an A performance. I think they're better than West Virginia. But K-State doesn't hit their A performance very often. So it might be a game. Yeah, very well could be. Very well could be. The other game was, well, there are two other games we kind of already touched on, Baylor-Oklahoma. But the other game was Texas Tech at Houston. And I'll be honest, I picked Texas Tech last in the conference preseason because I, I didn't see any way there was any hope left in that program at all whatsoever. But honestly, they have been arguably the third most or maybe fourth most impressive team so far in the conference to this point. Yeah, I mean, first, clearly, you made a mistake in how you estimate David Beatty and his um, program management skills. Or maybe you're just trolling brilliantly so that we can have him around more because he doesn't have a program. I, I'm not sure what you know Kingsbury has, but... I think I was just trolling myself, I think, is what I did. But anyway... Yeah, so... You know, you know they, they have the named victories, you know, they got another power five opponent and they got Houston who's well thought of, but I, I would be fascinated to see where the teams they've beaten so far, where they end up because people don't think Arizona state's very good. I don't follow enough PAC 12 or I think they're a bottom two ish team probably in the PAC 12. So, and then you need it. You go over it. The seven point victory at home or, Neutral, I don't even know, against Arizona State. And then a three-point victory at Houston. Those are nice wins. But one-score games are kind of considered luck in the long run. So is this a new team? Or is this just had a couple things go their way? And it's going to be same old, same old when we get to Big 12 play and everybody knows what Texas Tech is, right? I think so. I mean, I I don't think – well, Houston did have a pretty nice little win at Arizona earlier in the – the season, but um, I think that's a nice little win, especially at Houston. Um, the one thing I did Look, notice, I wish I wish we had it. So oh, absolutely. I, I don't mean to to knock it, but I also I don't know. Is there Shimadak? Is he as good as the other guys? It doesn't look that way. Um, and you know, even when you when you, if your quarterback goes down and you have a decent running game, which they did against Houston, you should start adapting to have more offense. I think they had a 45-33 split. So I suspect that, look, they they have the better resume than us right now, but I suspect they're going to start coming back down to earth. But to be fair, they always come back to earth in the Big 12. So maybe I'm just being lazy and going off recent history, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think any time Tech holds an opponent to – 30 points or less, I think the halt, the presses need to be halted. Um, that's fair. So that's what stuck out to me the most. Um, now, I will say I did watch a large chunk of that game, and Kyle Allen is still Kyle Allen. Um, so there's also that factor to take into account. But I overall, I, I think that's a pretty nice win for Tech, and, and, and it's nice for the conference. But um, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on them, I think, as the year goes on. Um, so that will matter towards realignment then that win 100 percent, absolutely i just you know I, that's been a theme and i whatever anyway i'm derailing <laughs> um i guess did you have a power rankings um after this weekend for the big 12 yeah yeah oh you still number one i mean you have the best victory of any team so far I think Ohio State's going to be good still at the end. I don't completely understand how one of the most legendary coaches of all time with a fifth-year senior isn't better, but that's a whole other Big Ten question. Uh, so I, I think it's Oklahoma. I think it's TCU. Next, it goes Oklahoma State third. That that was a loss, but I, they're still so good, right? Um, and then at that point <laughs> – I don't really care after that. I, I think West Virginia's probably fourth. I don't know. Then Texas Tech maybe in front of them just based upon the 
the Power Five victory. So those two teams are four and five, and then K State has to be six. I, even with the Vandy loss, you can't put Texas or Iowa State in front of them, and then Baylor, and, and then KU so far down that if you want to pick any number after ten, I'm fine with that for KU. What about you? No, I'd go. I'd go Oklahoma TCU. I still think Oklahoma State we couldn't fall any further than third because I do think that TCU looked. I think it was more about TCU looking legit than it was Oklahoma State not looking like a good team, although I don't think they did. But um, I still think they're about third right now. Uh, I'd have Tech fourth because, like I said, they have two Power 5 wins or Power 5 conference wins. Um, West Virginia kind of by default. I guess they did lose at Virginia Tech, but it was at least it felt closer um, than the Vanderbilt game and then K-State. In um, sixth, and then I think Texas, Iowa State. I have Baylor ninth, even though they don't have a win. Um, and then KU tenth. So, you know, similar. Yeah, I think it kind of speaks for themselves right now. A couple teams are taking care of business. Uh, TCU. I I don't hold the Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma State doesn't get the TCU loss held against it to like punish it for by any means. And teams in the middle. I don't know. I mean, I, we're kind of probably holding Texas Tech back. If we do a power rankings based upon your actual resume, they probably should be ahead of West Virginia. And, you know, every other team after that has failed to do what they needed to do to really complain about where they're ranked. So, no, I I think you're you're right on. Um, do you have a Final Four as of right now? That's an interesting question. I mean, I, we're gonna say. OU, just for the sake of the Big 12's sanity. Bama and Clemson, I would be shocked if they're not there. Which then leaves, what, Penn State, USC, Washington, as a, you know, a Big 10 or PAC performance. I, you know, I watched the Penn State-Iowa game. I know Iowa is a weird place to play at. I think they've knocked off a top five team for three straight years and almost did it to Iowa or Penn state. But I think I saw a stat where Iowa at home under Ference has only missed covering the spread once as underdogs, which is crazy to me. Goofy place. And for anybody who has not seen them wave to the kids in the hospital, that's that's awesome. That's a crazy story that, uh, you know, it's getting a little dusty whenever you watch it. But, I, you know, my take on all of this is it's the four biggest names with one loss or less, and it just goes by that ranking. It, all these polls don't matter. So I'm going to go Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC. Yeah, see, I of what's left, I think USC might be the weak link. Uh, I have not seen anything from them that says to me that they're – going to be able to even maybe win their league. I think Washington's looked a hell of a lot better. Um, I was definitely all on top of Sam Darnold coming into the year for the Heisman. But man, he cannot stop throwing interceptions. Um, yeah, but do you think I mean, do you think you're wrong and every NFL scout is wrong or we're oh, just hitting small sample size in three games or four games and he's going to right the ship? Oh, I, I think he's incredibly talented. Um, and I think he's definitely got the prototypical size um, that they want. Uh, I don't know. He's just going to have to turn it around a little bit. I think he's definitely capable. But um, I don't know. I, I don't think they would be my final four right now. I think the three obvious ones are Clemson, Oklahoma, Bama. And I would I would say right now Penn State. Um, that, that was kind of a clutch win on the last play in Iowa in that Seems like teams that make the Final Four, they've got one of those moments. Um, and First they, off, Barkley's awesome to watch. I mean, that, that guy is oh, he's the first crazy. Guy, he's Big a freak. I've enjoyed watching. He I, is a I freak. No, I he he actually would, outside of maybe Mayfield, I would say he'd be my top candidate for the Heisman. Honestly, right now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say they're they're fourth, and I I think a team that has been talked about but also the same token hasn't been talked about is Wisconsin. Um, they've got the easiest schedule, I think, of any any contender um, for the college football playoff. But 
I don't know. I think they look they look really good. We'll see. Um, they've got Michigan at home coming up in a couple weeks, so I guess we'll find out on them too. But yeah, right now I go Penn State for a slot, but a lot of teams can sneak in there. So yeah, Penn State's maybe just got a couple every year, a couple weird losses and just things that you don't really understand what goes on that way. So I don't know. They got Michigan, Ohio State, Big Twelve Championship or Big Ten Championship game, and I don't know. They might make it. They could. It could be. It could be a lot of fun. Um, I only had a couple things left. Um, okay. A couple questions. One was from Seed Boy. Why do super fans think it's okay for a KSU quarterback to go ten of eight, ten of twenty eight in a game? I I think when you go through it, we've always as a super fan have always allowed some of our quarterbacks to just have terrible completion percentages. I still remember in 2005 when Allen average went, what, two of 27 against. It was bad. Nebraska. It was awful. I don't remember what the stat was, but it was awful. Anyway. uh, You know, we throw low percentage passes. You have some drops. I, I get his question. I, I understand it, but it's not going to change anything. It, it's what we do. It's who we are. He's going to go back out and throw more deep passes next week. So, And super fans don't allow any criticism of any player, period, which is kind of bizarre because you should be able to say, like, factually he was inaccurate. And they come out and say, no, he's not. So then you have to, like, tear the guy down to because you're factually correct. But... I, look, super fans are a special breed, and I'm not one of them. So, I mean, maybe you can answer it. You're you're my super fan resource. No, uh, yeah, I've got I've got the rep for that. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty equal blame. I don't know if there's if it's okay. I mean, I think the drops are definitely. I still think the drops are the most contributing factor to that. But like I said, he looked awful. In the same token, so if he goes ten to twenty eight again, I I would very much like to see Thompson, but I I doubt we do. But anyway, well, and let's let's be blunt. Yeah, drops or whatever percentage his throws aren't great. They're not where they need to be. But a lot of college quarterbacks aren't, and we have a staff who's not giving him easy throws. Yep, it just it doesn't make sense. Like the whole question, it's a great question, but how do you answer it? Like, sorry, the coaches don't help him out. The wide receivers don't help him out, and he's not good enough to overcome it. So, boom. Yep. It I, might happen again if nothing changes. So. Yep. Yeah, I, I still wish we'd see a bubble screen here or there, but it seems like that's completely disappear, disappeared from the playbook too. So, Yeah, or play action on a, a running game that everyone's keen to stop, but, I mean, we're just beating dead horse at this point. Yep. Yep. Um... I guess, let's see. I had it here a second ago. Uh, from Winch, he wanted to know the best and worst case for the football and basketball seasons. Oh, boy. That's a that's a deep question. Let's best case for the football team, probably 9-3, and three, and then a magical bowl win, which who knows where that would come from, so... You know, double digits as a as a possibility. I don't see any way they don't make a bowl, even even if all of our worst fears are realized and the Big Twelve is somehow good for once. Like we always get to six wins, so I don't know. Worst case, let's say know, seven and five and lose the bowl game like we always do. So seven and six. What about you? I think worst case, I really think they could go six and six, um, because you still got Texas and Texas Tech on the road, um, and Oklahoma State. So there's three that very well could be losses, um, and then at home you still got Oklahoma and TCU. So that's five, right there. I mean, if you lose all those, and that's assuming you beat West Virginia at home and take care of Iowa State at home, and Baylor. Um, yeah, I could see six and six happening. I don't think it will, but I think it very well could. Um, and I still, I mean, at that point, if you start seeing some of those losses, I mean, are you fearful of missing a bowl? Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, not really, but I don't know. Best case, I think 
you still lose at least two conference games, best case. Um, like I said, this conference might be a little overrated, but I think it's also on the same token a little tougher than I thought it would be, top to bottom. But yeah, somewhere from nine and three without the probably a bowl loss, like you said. So probably nine and four to six and six, six and seven, somewhere in there probably. Okay. Uh, how about basketball? Or is it too early? So, Should we just hold off on that? We could do that too. I, you know, we don't want to. We don't want to upset everybody <laughs> on the first podcast. No, I, I, I got it. I, you know, I, I don't have the same thoughts on Weber that most do. I mean, he's one of the worst off-season coaches of all time, or in whatever. And then he's actually not a horrendous when the season kicks off starts. So, best case scenario is probably bubble. Um, and let's say comfortably in as a, you know, whatever, 10, 11 seed. I mean, there's, it's a weird team. It's a goofy team, but it kind of fits what he wants to do. So they're not going to, any team with size, any legit recruiting, whatever school is, is going to terrorize them, but they can get some wins, finish fifth. I, I don't, I'm not projecting it, but I can see it. And then worst case is probably, Ninth, because he, I don't think he'll finish tenth, and but ninth could be four and fourteen, and you know, that might be a best case scenario for most of these listeners because that means a new coach. So yeah, yeah, I, I have, uh, I just tried to put it out of my mind altogether, but yeah, I think best case, yeah, fighting for a bubble spot if a lot of things go right. I think they're sitting much closer to ninth than they are to third, but. Um, I guess, yeah, worst case scenario, and like you said, depends on how you view Bruce, but I think that worst case, they could go three and, what is it, three and 15, four and 14, yeah, somewhere in there in the conference and and miss everything, and Bruce gets fired, and we have a furious debate over whether we want Brad or Frank to come back home. And then people don't realize that it probably means uh, Henson instead. So, yeah, still, anyway. I don't know. He's moved up a little bit on my list, but yeah, still, still pretty meh. So, well, it's still better than when people wanted him when we got it. We've wanted him for like what the last five hires, coaches or fans have wanted him. So, yeah, at least we keep getting more data on him. Yeah, it's been good so far. I don't know, whatever. Let's just like, I think I get it. I understand the argument. The personality change is not good for the overall face of the program, but I, I just I I root for them when they're on. So I'm going to continue to root for them when they're on, and it's kind of a win-win situation for me. Either they win enough that they get into the NCAA, or they lose enough and they're going to go get a new coach. So yep, I, it's not as bad as I think people want to pretend it is. I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, one more thing before we get out of here. Um, Darren Sproles, is he done? I, I mean, the guy's been doubted a million times before, right? So if he comes back from these injuries, but I mean, I, it's, it's probably time anyway, right? Well, I mean, he's already said this was his last year. I think that's pretty, pretty clear. This will be, be it. I guess it's just kind of sad to see him go out for as long as he played and as well as he played I sad to see him go that way but does he deserve any hall of fame talk at no, all no no i love the guy but no okay so I, I think there'll be talk he deserves i don't think he deserves it but i think he deserves to i, I mean that dude's had one of the craziest careers of all time right no i mean he him and terrence newman man they were both playing in 2002 2003 He's what five foot seven? Does he even have a position in the NFL? And here he is in twenty seventeen. I believe five foot seven is his listed height, right? I don't. I think he's five five. Yeah, I mean that just it, it doesn't make any damn sense. Zero. Five six is his uh, Google height, so uh, that might still be a little. That's insane. Yeah, I I followed him for fifteen years, and it still floors me. Yeah, I mean he's had how many injuries? Because he's so small, it's just physics, right? You get hit by a 300 pound guy, your leg's gonna snap. Yep, no, he's had a couple three, I think. 
but not, yeah. none, none real recently. But yeah, kind of sad, I guess. But maybe, maybe in the long run, he'll uh, he'll miss out on a concussion that he would have got if he'd have kept playing, and and he'll be he'll be good. His brain won't be mush, hopefully. I'm just looking at it. Three first team All Pro teams. So you know, that's raise your hand if you had that projected for him, right? Oh god. I figured he'd just be a return specialist his whole his whole career for about six years, but he's he has defied expectations his entire life. So good for him. Yeah, no, I, it's it's great, great representative of of all things, and I, I thought it was cool that Snyder wrote in that letter he wrote that I was the player that most exemplified what he was trying to build. That's just it. It's just good. Yep. No, I. I wish him well, and I, it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see him back on the coaching staff at one point or another, but I'm not going to ha- hold out hope for that. So Give him a couple years, get him some experience, and then when it's head coach Colin Klein. There you I, go. You know, I need a running backs coach. There you go. Yeah. I, look, recruiting will get way better with those guys in charge, right? So Absolutely. 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 Well, I think we better wrap it up. Um, yeah. This, like I said, is the first uh, edition of the Untucked Podcast. Um, I've enjoyed it. I, I think Arm has enjoyed it. Um, yeah. It's a good time. You guys, uh, let me know. Provide some feedback. This has been enjoyable or not, or what we can do to improve, or different things. And Yeah, we can go from there. So with that... I'm Top Cat, he's Arm, and uh, we'll talk to you next time, or you can find us on the boards. Later. See you guys later.